0: The, just, just for one second look at the state of country music okay talk about it okay the state of country music if you think about it I'm okay I'm not in the Beehive
1: but let's go there I'm in the Beehive
0: Ebony is in the Beehive lying. so this I'm is for Ebony that. Ebony is 100% in the
1: Beehive I fuck with Beyonce on a certain level you, but not you fucks with Beyonce heavy on a certain level we, me and hers on a certain level but don't hold it to my heart what was the song
0: <laughs> daddy was a girl daddy's girl or daddy's girl I don't know it's, it's not
1: called daddy's it's daddy's issues
0: daddy's issues that's a country song through and through hands down yeah the country music awards or whatever whenever that came out whenever uh, Lemonade came out they didn't want her to perform they fought against it so what did she do she brought the Dixie Chicks and said you know what fuck you they not you called Dixie pe- pe- oh I'm sorry they're chickies. called chickies chicks the Dickies. G- <laughs> Chicks
1: fillet. <laughs> Decolonize. Go-
0: <laughs> they said, where the chicks? Okay. Had them come out. They said, fuck y'all. You want some white people? Here you go. That to me, right, is speaking to how far gone country music is in this mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Because country music is a creation out of blues All you guys
1: do is say country music is black music. That's all it is. It's a black created art form, just like jazz.
0: Period.
2: Daddy's Daddy's Lessons. lessons. We said 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 Daddy's Issues.
0: Daddy's Issues.
2: Daddy's Lessons. This
0: is why we did not record at home. (laughs) 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 The song is called Daddy's Lessons, but country music is black music. But that is radical to say. Is it? Why would that be radical? Yes. People don't think that. People don't think that. People don't know the People history of music. People don't know Charlie music. Pride and, and any...
1: Phillips and...
0: No, none. Go deeper, Sister, further y- than that. Y- y- Sister Rosetta Tharpe. That's Thwart, gospel. But, that's but, also gives country. But all, and
1: it's actually, excuse me. I apologize. It's gospel and rock and roll. Yeah. It's really rock and
0: roll. But what is the origins of lots of this music? Gospel and
1: spirituals. Rock and roll. Blues. Oh, it's uh, all black, but American music ain't no such thing as American music. all black music. Okay. Okay. And I know that that's hard for y'all motherfuckers to wrap y'all hands around. People disagree with us on that all the time. I can, and you watch, you want to disagree with me on that? Yeah. It's going to be Denzel Washington, the great debaters <laughs> up in this <laughs> motherfucker, because I could come with a long <laughs> container store length <laughs> receipt. Ooh. Ooh, I, a to go to to container store. I could come with the Don't receipt. Remind but me. I, but the, again, we're going to have a separate episode for that because it really, again, warrants sorry, a I'm deeper conversation. Erica is digging at her tote bag sorry. during the podcast. Recording. Sorry. I just want everybody, we're going to keep that in there. What What is you looking my for? My lips are chapped. that's not important right now. Okay, where are we at?
0: It's an opportunity because you see that you can make money doing it. That is all yes. that is. You see that black music sells and somebody told you that you could do it.
1: But it's also psychological warfare as well. Oh, 100%. You don't think that there is a such thing as black music. Jack Harlow said, I don't know who Brandy is. Who is Brandy? He said that? He said he didn't know who Brandy was. He said he didn't know who Brandy was. We don't even, Brandy is so famous that you don't, it's so critical and key and pivotal to black musical history, to a black, to American musical history, that we don't even need to say her last name for us to know exactly who the fuck, which brandy we talking about and only talking about anytime we say Brandy.
0: What is Brandy's last name?
1: <laughs> Norwood. No way. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. But you don't need to know that. All you need to know is Brandy. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Jack Harlow is, so... Me neither, barely, but (laughs) (laughs) he a white rapper. If he walked in here right now,
0: I would have not a clue. (laughs)
1: I'll round this conversation (laughs) out for you. Nelly once said, we went to, we were in D.C. at Busboys and Poets, and we saw um, James uh, Plunky from Plunky and the One that's a Juju, which was a funk band in D.C., a part of Jimmy Gray's uh, Blackfire Records. And we went to a whole event, um, a screening in D.C. about um, Blackfire Records and Jimmy Gray and that, that Black musical legacy in D.C. And I actually have records um, from Plunky and the one that's a Juju. And James Plunky is a, a saxophonist and multi-instrumentalist. And he was saying, he did a quote, he quoted Nelly, actually. And he said that Nelly said, why do Black people take Music so seriously. It's just entertainment. Wow. So that gives you an insight into the mind state of a lot of rappers. But rappers. you have to think, <laughs> how can
0: you stay in an industry that treats you in such a way? Yeah, that's you, all only, your money. <laughs> the only way, to exactly, that write you essentially... Um, contracts that are trash mm-hmm. but throws puts money probably at the first page so you just start signing mm-hmm. with no type of consideration that you're actually getting underpaid even if they're paying you two million dollars for one record or whatever nonsense like that's Literally. still under paying you right that's you don't okay. have no sort of thought about that you just see ownership, a dollar sign no right your ownership. ownership right none of it they own all of your stuff and you just see a dollar sign and you sign it when you even when you start to get smart or hip to that, that's happening. A lot of people have to just push it down because they want to keep making that money. Nelly is one of those people. If you want to stay on the if you want to stay on the plantation, it's a particular mentality that you're going to need to have to remain there.
2: We're it, all as on, in, like, not get killed. We're
0: <laughs> all on the plantation. Yeah, we're all on uh, the plantation. Okay, you're right. But there are people who really want to be, I guess, not on the plantation, but they want to be in the house. They don't want to be on the
1: plantation no more. No, the house is on the plantation. The they house, don't think it is. No, They, they don't think, think it's a new place. That part.
0: <laughs> that part. And you have to think in a particular way to be there. You cannot. You cannot survive the music industry, nonprofits, corporate America, thinking as a black person, academia, thinking
2: mm-hmm.
0: that you are... That this is not the best place to be. Mm. And that I, I have to diminish mm-hmm. who I am in my artistry in order to remain there. Mm-hmm. And the work that I do in order to remain there. I have to big up everybody else and put down my people constantly. I have to become surveillance to black people. I have to become a, I have to police black people. Why do black people find music so important? It's just entertainment. You have to become like Massa. There's you no other to way to be.
1: Dancing with the stars. Jordan's brains shut are connected. And jive in. <laughs> and he literally was on Dancing with the Stars. I wasn't thinking with dancing some with <laughs> Jordan fucking Oxfords.
0: But why, but why? But why did you take your rap music so seriously? To the point where now you can't even do it. And you're on Dancing oh. with the Stars.
2: Uh, yeah. What happened? Yeah.
0: Why are you on Dancing with the Stars? Why are you not making rap music? He's not making rap music and on dancing with the stars. Mm. He's just on dancing with the stars. I haven't heard a Nelly song since uh, my boo. Like I haven't <laughs> Has he has one? That ain't
1: my that ain't. Oh, you yes, talking about no, you talking about Kelly Rowland and Nelly? Yes. That's on that's not that's Usher. Started with no That's Usher and Alicia Keys. What are no, you saying? Wait, what's Started the Nelly? When we, that's Nelly is um I love you, and, and then I need, need you. you baby, those songs are not the same. No. What is the song? But don't look that I up. I have to look it I've up. I've already told you what
0: the song. But is. But you know what I'm saying. I understand. D- now dilemma. Don't nobody care.
1: Don't nobody B- call I it knew, dilemma. I knew.
0: Don't nobody call it. I <laughs> knew what it. I was saying, And baby. Yeah. They call love it you, baby. I love you. I do. Calling that. But dilemma. That's the last song. And when was that? <laughs>
1: My Where boo was when been? I was actually 12. Years. Yeah. <laughs> Where have you been?
0: Where? Donde estas? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the diminishing. It, it, the You have to be. But I don't want
1: to indict just black rappers who do it. And I don't want to. Look, I'm not going to spoil the, the rap episode because it's long overdue. But I'll also talk about Post Malone being like, and also Billie Eilish. And fucking Miley Cyrus and Uh all them talking shit about rap and Post Malone being like, you need to listen to some Bob Dylan if you want to hear something deep. I don't go. Rap is not really deep. It's not for that. I fucking hate Bob Dylan. And I hate Post Malone. (laughs) I hate Bob Dylan. (laughs) Bob Dylan's music Rest in peace. But what's the one song he he has? Is he
0: dead? Wait, Bob Dylan is dead. I don't know. Shit. Oh my God. Hold on. Do we have to strict that from the thing? I
1: really, whether
0: he is dead or alive,
1: I'm going to tell y'all right now, I do not care. Y'all gonna do him like Queen Elizabeth. I do not care.
0: Yeah, he's dead. Is he
1: dead? Night- no, babe. He's alive. Oh, Lord. He's 81. And that's the gag. We ain't even gonna get into that. How these motherfuckers be living forever, <laughs> forever. He's been alive ever. since nineteen. 19- Whitney 41. Houston died at like 50-something. Uh, come on
0: now. Jesse Powell, 51. Come- okay, we're not even gonna get... It's heartbreaking. Put a
2: pen in it. Black people...
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Black People Telling Black History. Black People Telling It. And it's fifth year. Yes. Fifth, fifth year. year. Five years doing this. and it's we're, me and you without... This-
0: any sort of institutional
1: support. Just Ain't no sponsors to no, be found. No sponsors. This is people supported. Yes. Listener it supported. I've always wanted to say that because I listen to the radio. Yeah. L- listen to public radio. <laughs> this is listener supported. <laughs> Who's <your> rap? <laughs> Ebony Donnelly, Erica Hart, come to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With mm. Patience Sings.
2: Yeah. For another yes. iteration
1: of people telling Black history. And we are so excited in our fifth year. To have our niece patience one half of the shaken duo boom scat <laughs> out of that Washington DC area they do a little go go here and there
3: here and there we sure do why am i no more go go cuz it's only two of us and so you know you need 12 people on the stage to do <laughs> go go set a whole go go set requires at least 12 niggas on the stage at least because club is better Oh, Erica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, I spent a lot of days. Spend, I spent a couple of days. <laughs> spent a couple days in Baltimore at the, um, at what was the club, the, the queer club in Baltimore that would open at six o'clock in the morning? The Paradox. The paradox. Yep, we spent a couple of days at the Paradox. We, we know about the, you know, the the club, yes. Baltimore club, but it's all about the uh uh. It's all about the you know the the beats. It's all about that. The pancake like house, house. the morning. The no. pancake house. You know what
2: it's all about.
3: The the backyard, the junkyard, all of the yards. That's it. You and the butt. <laughs> Ew. I sugar bear. I used to work with sugar bear's son back in the day at DC Housing Authority. That's some history for you right there. That's black
1: and wow. hair. DC musical history. Yes.
3: Well, first of all... Everybody has gone
1: off
0: script.
2: Okay, on. I didn't went off script. Okay,
1: <laughs> everybody. Patience, we want you to introduce yourself to the, like, three people worldwide who might not know who you are, Yeah. might not know what you do, might not know where you're from or what your pronouns are. For that small bodicum <laughs> of people in the world, can you give us the lowdown like downtown Julie Brown?
3: <laughs> hey, y'all. My name is Patience Things. Uh, my pronouns are she, they, um, and I am from Washington, D.C., as we so, as we just discussed. If you know about Gogo, you know that's where I'm from. I'm from D.C. Proper, proper. I was born and mm-hmm. raised here. Born in Washington Hospital Center, just so you know. Don't want anybody to confuse me for Alexandria. Um, but... <laughs> I am George not is. from PG County. I'm not from yeah. Pretty Girls County, as they call it. Um, yeah. DC proper, Northeast. And um, I do a lot of things. I sing, I'm a performer, I'm one half of the Peace and Body Roll duo, Boom Scat. Um, and I'm also a sound healer. I work with uh, intuitive vocal sounds and healing, do healing work through Reiki and Tarot um, and a few other mediums. And yeah, I'm also an educator. I am an actor, a writer, just an all-around creative in a theater person and someone who loves Eric and Eb. And I also have ADHD, so this is going to be a fun conversation because these are two of my favorite people in the world. And um, I'm going to try not to tangent.
1: (laughs) No, we're going to tangent. Yeah,
3: we're going
1: to tangent. Well, one thing I'll say, too, you know, you did a... Um, I think it was in 2019, a video for Black People Telling Black History on Negro Spirituals. Mm -hmm. And so because that was so short and due to the overwhelming response to that particular video from you patients, we wanted to do a bit of a reprisal and give people an opportunity to hear from you, not in five to 10 minutes, but in an actual longer form, about some of not only just your thoughts on Negro Spirituals and hymnals, But also you did a video last year to great response on um, Afrofuturism. And so there's great connection between our Negro spirituals and the way that lots of um, all pretty much all black music is Afrofuturist in some sense. And so I I really want to kind of start off with, you know, talking about Negro spirituals and what are we defining as Negro spirituals and hymnals?
3: Oh man, I mean, I guess of course, Negro spirituals, they were songs that were created by Africans, our ancestors who were kidnapped from their homes um, through the transatlantic uh, slave route. And the music that came from those Africans um, was a mixture of what was brought with us and also what was imparted on us through white supremacy and uh the dominant religion of this country um and it it it, so that is that's actually very important to know um where we were forced to adopt the christianity and the religion of of our ancestors captors um but negro spirituals were they were the first work songs they were the first um songs not first but first for this country i guess to say songs that Uh, were communication, they were forms of communication during the Underground Railroad and before um, where we were not able to um, openly be able to communicate um, about our moves, about how we were feeling, about the things that we were uh, going through during grueling um, labor and wild ass, insane, psycho, just treatment and things like that, just (laughs) psychotic treatment. Um, yeah. By white supremacists and 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 uh, folks who owned enslaved people, and so it was a form of communication um, that still exists today, and it just kind of trickled down from generation to generation through griots, through storytellers, through just learning the songs, te- uh, folks teaching the songs um, over and over again, and it has informed every type of music. I like to say all music is black music. I don't care what type of music you are talking about, all music. Yes, yeah, no.
1: there's no American music. You see the American Music Awards, it could just be called Black Awards. Um, no, there is the no West. such American music. It no. is all Black, it, it is all Black music, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. The Country Music,
3: music Awards. Awards is Black music. Um, the Latin American Music Awards, Black music. Like <laughs> It is all Black music. Right. <laughs> like, is there a Swedish? Um... <laughs> because probably black music too I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't take credit for their music um but we informed it in some way shape or form yes. um and so all music is black music and um it really is informed by the call and responsiveness of negro spirituals it it, it is informed by the conversation that happens jazz is a conversation right like r&b conversation mm-hmm. it is all informed by Those work songs by those Negro spirituals, which were brilliantly written, which were brilliantly coded, which uh, were beautiful and also. In some ways, just devastating. um, sorrowful. Yeah, a lot of ways. And
1: I think what's really important about what you're saying, Patience, too, is that not only were they work songs, but they were protest songs, songs of resistance. And that's where the communication, because even now, um, you know, there is a great concerted effort on white people to decode our language, to pilfer it, to steal it, um, and to steal our movements, to be, to infiltrate our movements and to infiltrate our culture um, such that they can continue to profit from it. And that was happening then as well, and our indigenous ancestors was hip to it. And so they use coded language, either through what was burgeoning as AVE, um, but also through songs, um, in order to organize and to escape, um, to have maroonage, to go and be free, as free as you can. Um, so I think it's also really important the presence too. What patients are saying is that a lot of these were passed down orally from our indigenous ancestors, just innumerable in number and many of them unknown. You know, it's, it's hard to know the names of the original progenitors of American or Black American, just Black music period, because they were um, enslaved, forcibly taken from our homeland in West Africa and all across um, Senegambia and brought um, to the United States to make this country. So we don't know Half of these original songs are where where they came from because they were passed down orally.
2: Yep,
3: and I and I like to think about just all of the. This is a little arbitrary, but all of the songs that I have, like in my that that I write, right? I'll write stuff on napkins, or I have access to phones, and I have a little, a uh, voice memo app. I have so many things that I've just thought of, just written down. I can just imagine all of the black folks who did not have access to tools to pass down their things, how much we lost, how many stories that we lost, how much good yeah. music, how much good, beautiful art and creative practice that black people even dealing with the, 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 the existence and the reality of um, being enslaved, like how much we lost and we don't know because we are brilliant, black folks are brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the brilliance of us, um, and, and what I'm sure black folks in those times created, not even this not being, you know, the common tongue for everyone when Negro spiritual yeah. started, right? When 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 that communication started, when when folks started using drums to communicate across tribal, you know, and 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 dialectal having conversations across dialects, right? Like what did we lose? And I always think about that, like all of the the stories that we have and how do we as creatives um, I have access to that right through like water holds memory. Our bodies are full of water. How do we have access to that music and how are we repurposing that? How are we recreating that? How are we sharing what we have been passed down? I like to think about that a lot, too, and how I am embodying my people.
1: It's that cultural memory. um, And that's why it's so important to preserve that. I think often I keep going back to AAVE, which is something I'm an ardent um, and fierce conservationist and defender of African-American vernacular English. And just like you said, it was it was it was not communication. It's, It's not that AAVE was the result of you know some pidgin language of English or some pidgin form of English or some Creole of English but rather it was a result of lots of different dialects from all of our indigenous ancestors tribal diversity and the many languages that they spoke and having to find a way to communicate with each other thusly mm-hmm. um, you know enslaved peoples having to communicate with one another and that's really how you get it and so I think about that too with how much we have lost in the way of language and how formative that language is, you know, in our music, you know, and in our, in our Negro spirituals. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: it is. And I mean, so it's, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, it's, it is a, and it's a pleasure to be able to know the language, like intrinsically, like it is an honor to not sound like them people, like it is such a, I'm just so grateful.
1: Yep. Yeah. And they want to sound like us. And I, so I'll get into one thing I was thinking of two patients when you were talking is that a lot of content of Negro spirituals, while, you know, it was, you know, to keep people's morale and spirit up and to pass on cultural memory and a way of archiving through sound and song and language um, as opposed to the written word. Oftentimes there's a lot of, music or a lot of Negro spirituals deal with death. Um, and they talk about death in ways where I was listening to I'll Fly Away. I was listening to Hezekiah Walker's version of it. And I'm like, it's popping. It's like, you can play this at the function and get the party jumping. But they're talking about they can't wait to get ready to die so that they could go meet Jesus. Yeah, You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I'm really just thinking about, you know, just how... Afro-pessimism, you know, this this thought of, you know, ontological death of of black people and anti-blackness being situated in a narrative of death. But I'm thinking about our early ancestors and how and what you feel about a lot of those old songs and their relationship to death, and how a lot mm-hmm. of older black folks, when they would sing, I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord, it's like it's
3: joyful. I'm going up like this, how do you yeah. get so much joy out of? I'm
2: going up yonder, going up yonder.
3: Like you get modulations, you get so much joy out of talking about where you are going. Sorry. The, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, I have so many mixed emotions about it. Right, like I'm a little goth black girl. Sometimes I I I grew up in the '90s, 2000s, so. I've had my moments, right? And so my relationship yeah. to, to death is, like, I can be a little bit morbid. I can be a little bit morbid. Just a little bit, you know, just a little bit. I watch Daria, you know, combat boots and things. Um, But I, I think I have a lot of feelings and emotions about it, right? Like, number one, um, black folks, we, we have created and i don't i don't want to call them coping mechanisms i don't want to call them like but, but strategies to survive like strategies to thrive and survive um mm-hmm. around like the in the the only constant that we know um as, as humanity is as things that exist on a carbon-based planet right we know that death yeah. is imminent right but for black people death is tan it's so tangible it's yeah. so much more tangible. Just um, in conversation, uh, we we know this by um, the the deaths of black folks um, at the hands of state violence, um, anti black racism. All of those things we know and we have known for centuries. Right the the tangible taste the the understanding that death is imminent for us. Right, like yes. white people. Would have essentially fairs where they would put in newspapers to celebrate Black Death. Um, where well, they still do that, right? But they would celebrate lynchings, or they would they would they would invite folks to, to 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 watch lynchings. And so we are very clear that um that death is something that happens to all of us, but it happens to us more readily, and we are prepared for it in different ways than everybody else is prepared for it. And so I Uh think that those songs, those conversations that we have about death are just kind of us teaching each other. Like um, I know in, in recent years, People have started to talk about the conversation that black people have with their black children around state sanctioned violence and all of those things and having to have conversations that people have been having for centuries around white folks. Right. Like we have had to have conversations about avoiding white people, avoiding police, avoiding all of those things for a very long time. And now, you know, The New York Times has picked up has picked up conversations about it and and their articles that about those conversations but we've been having to have those conversations with each other and that is essentially what that has been right those conversations about death and about the tangibleness of it and on and on another end of the conversation um i think that white people have indoctrinated in us that our reward is not here right like Christianity has mm-hmm. indoctrinated us that Black people do not get our reward here. We get our reward in heaven. So when we are, when we go, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? When we go, then we get all of our riches and we get all of our rewards in heaven. Um, so that's another part of the conversation, right? It's for us not to seek what we are owed here because we're going to get it up yonder. We're going to get it on the other side. And so there are just like different parts.
0: Yeah, it makes me think, damn, I don't know if this diverts the whole conversation, because it makes me think of my Aunt Judy, who just passed, uh, rest in peace, last year, and she didn't want anybody to know her diagnosis, she didn't want anybody to know what she was really dealing with beyond her brothers, Um, and she didn't tell anybody else but her brothers, but we all knew that she was sick, and my Aunt Judy was very, 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 very religious. I mean... She is Jesus,
1: like (laughs) like 100%. Jesus and Jesus, I'm telling you.
0: And, you know, she refused all forms of treatment. Um, She didn't want anything because she said that's man-made. Like, she wasn't interested in it. But I think what also was an intersection of my Aunt Judy's life was living in poverty. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just that she was refusing forms of treatment. I feel like she was tired of fighting for having access to something that should have just been readily available to her. Mm -hmm. So then Mm -hmm. now we pivot to this is man-made and I don't need it anyway. And God has the last say, right. Is this is what I've been taught is like Christianity. God is my savior, not this particular treatment.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Like I, I'm like well, I don't I don't know if it diverts because I'm like whoa is white supremacy really making black folks believe that like, is it is it a way to
1: de-radicalize or I'm gonna throw I, I agree <laughs> but then I'm also to throw it back on y'all too where it's like is Aunt Judy just you was is that a form of uh, bodily autonomy in mm-hmm. that way are black people saying in some sense especially our early ancestors you know. Are, is this an Afro-pessimistic stance that all the death that we meet in life, a life that makes it not even worth living, you know what I'm saying? I One glad morning, you know, when this life is over, I'll fly away. Like, is, are the conditions in life so fucked up for Black folks that there is this sense of like, I'm going to take autonomy and agency um, in the sense that I, I think that death holds some level of promise for me. Mm-hmm. Am I resisting yeah. the conditions that would make me not want to be here mm. by saying you know mm-hmm. what i'm going to do that for myself i'm mm-hmm. going to refuse treatment in that way yeah.
3: or I, I think it's some form of all of those things and and black people deserve peace here like we deserve peace on this earth in this time it's just so hard sometimes to grasp that we will get peace that again to be absent from the body is to be present I've never heard white people say that, and I'm, I know it's like scripture somewhere. Can't remember the exact exact scripture, but I hear black folks say it all the time. My mother, my mother said it all the time, and my mother transitioned in twenty seventeen, and I watched her body deteriorate. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, I think five years before she passed, and she and, and there was a lot of ways that she could have gone about it to get. She didn't get a mastectomy until it was. Until it was way too late. Until she got her mastectomy and her um her ribs were broken because she she got it and she was that frail and fragile, right? But the whole time she was telling us to, to the to the point where I didn't think my mother was going to pass away, right? I believed her faith so much that I was shocked, even in her frailty, that she was gone, because her faith was so big right that God was going to heal her but she even said it and other people said it well God might heal you on the other side
2: like mm. God might heal
3: you might not heal you in this plane, but God might heal you when you get to heaven but I'm like there are so many things that we can do now here yeah. Yeah. right we can do this now and here and it, and, and I think it is a form of bodily autonomy and taking, taking back your autonomy but also it's like this idea that we will never see peace here.
1: Yeah. It's like um, freedom. You know, I just wrote down, you know, freedom from death via death, Mm -hmm. you know, freedom from what you feel is a type of death that goes back to Afro pessimism, where it's like, there are small little deaths that black people experience all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, on earth, while you are living, Mm -hmm. you know, psychologically, you know, that would have these spirituals, especially during slavery, when they were written, ring so true, um, even to our experience now, present day.
0: Yeah. And it also makes me think of when you were talking about death and how we write about death and how we were just, you so close to death, right? There's such a, a, a very clear proximity for Black people in death, right? In, yeah. in the ways that we experience it on a regular basis. I don't know who said this. I, I think it was Amber abundance who was talking about this or maybe she just shared something but she was talking about strange fruit by billy holiday and was saying how that song was so popular amongst white people mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't popular and like oh shit we need to do something about lynching it was like it's just popular like oh it sounds good mm-hmm. like i just wonder like what do you think about that like the consumption. I guess this is how, where Negro spiritual meets capitalism, the consumption of our pain Mm -hmm. um, becomes this ignorance of it. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. No Name, the rapper, is, like, talking about this as well, but talking about it in terms of rap music. Like, rappers talking about their pain and it just being a form of consumption for white audiences and nothing is actually done. So I guess that is a similar conversation. Yes. But I'm just Mm -hmm. bringing it to we've been doing this for, I mean, rap has been around for a long time, but we also been just talking about our pain in music for so long mm-hmm. that capitalism has found a way to capitalize off of it. And, but it doesn't culminate into any sort of action. So I, I wonder mm-hmm. like your thoughts on that patience as somebody who's very much in the music industry and has navigated it for a very long time.
3: I mean, strange fruit was originally written by a uh, a Russian Jewish man, Right, yeah. right. It's like Billie Holiday did not write Strange Fruit, right? Like she performed it, yeah. she felt, com- you know, she felt um, attached to it um, Yeah. in a lot of different ways. I feel attached to the song in a lot of different ways, but yeah. b- mainly because of what it re- represents historically um, with Billie Holiday as well, and Nina mm-hmm. Simone and, 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 and those artists, um, but white people have been capitalizing off of black trauma forever. Yeah. That's how you
1: got the blues recordings. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) Like those things were, they were, they had very, even Negro spirituals, they had very specific intentions, right? They were not necessarily for, they were not, not necessarily, they were not for white consumption. Right. And, um, we live in a capitalist society, so we have to thrive—not well, have to, but we—we we do thrive in ways that we have to engage with white consumption. Even, even No Name said it. They were like, "Well, you performed at this festival," and then she was like, "Well, I got to pay my rent. Like, I gotta, I gotta I have to exist in this capitalist yeah. society. I don't want to mm-hmm. perform for white people. I—if I, I—if I had the choice, I wouldn't. But in in this way, but I." I live in a capitalist society and I have to eat. And it's again, this like, this dichotomy of, of being radicalized and surviving, (laughs) like (laughs) Mm -hmm. being radicalized and existing. Um, And and I think that white supremacy makes you, tries to make you have to make that choice um, because of, because of capitalism, right? Like you, there are certain things that you can't do. You know, in the world, if you are not paying your rent and paying taxes and 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 living and and being able to eat, right? Like that, you can't you can't create in that environment. So you ha- like it's a full circle thing. And so I think, um, white supremacy has just fucked it up for us all. Um, everything, of course, like white supremacy ruins everything. Um, but even just the, the the artistic practice, Black people always have to be cognizant of what and how we create. Like we cannot create from a from a place of our pain because white people will exploit it. It's hard to create from a place of joy because white people might exploit it. Like you can't have certain characters because white people might exploit it. Like and, and I have this conversation around movies around really like bad B list movies sometimes that like little Tubi movies. Right. That black people create. And I'm like, black people get to create horrible shit. Like we get to create really bad things like like Judd Apatow has been creating movies for a very long time that are goofy as hell, that are dumb and that don't have any cultural substance at all. Black people should be able to create really bad shit like we get to create. Steven Soderbergh
1: and all these motherfuckers, Quentin Tarantino, terrible movies, critical acclaim. Yeah,
3: all of these people create horrible things. And black people, we can't create like bad movies because white people might exploit us, and and we have to represent our culture and we have to do this, that, and the third. And it's like, why can't we just exist and create and make art? Why do we yeah. have to create art that is not for the white gays, but is always' it, always under the lens of inspection by how white people are going to see us. And yeah. um, like, mm-hmm. that is hard. Like I Billy Holiday felt really com- you know compelled to sing that song, right? that people are moved, people in the movement are moved by strange fruit. I have sung it a couple of times, right? Like it is a very moving and haunting song. We should be able to sing songs that we feel attached to regardless of who wrote them. We should be able to create the way that we want to, but it is very hard because white supremacy makes it difficult. Right. It and you
1: have, to, you have to really kind of tap into the mind state of the writer of that song writing about yeah. lynchings and not really, like Erica is saying, you're not really connected to it. It has mm-hmm. no bearing on your life. Is this some... Okay. Um, form of um fodder people's deaths at mm-hmm. very via very grotesque means being fodder for a song so that you can be on some chart or that you can make money via the people performing it and it becoming a composition and then once it's written you get money off the publishing for it for the rest mm-hmm. of your life but the people who you're writing about who are the subject of that song they get nothing from it but more lynching
2: mm-hmm. yep that yep.
1: You know, and I and I think a lot of this, where, where this capitalization on black music comes from, is that it does start with Negro spirituals. It does start in the sense of, you know, white people from folk associations going to black communities and bringing a tape recorder. Mm-hmm. This happened all the time, where they would, you know, go mm-hmm. to the South and go to places like Alabama and Mississippi, and this is how you get the discovery of people like Lead Belly, um, a very famous blues artist. And you have white people coming with tape recorders from the U.S. government, um, you know, some folk association and saying, here, you know, sing your songs that you sing every day on the damn chain gang inside of this tape recorder. And then all of a sudden you have record labels buying that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: You can actually find these early records. You know what I mean? So so white people have for a long time, it's not just the Justin Bieber effect or the even Amy Winehouse, and even though know, she's English or, you know, it's, it's the culture of vulturism from white people um, that has created the conditions where black people don't want to perform in front of white audiences anymore. That has become, or we have to make very um, judicious choices about how we eat and make money as artists because of the consumption of black culture black music especially from white people like that's an age-old thing you know you got white rappers how is a white rapper even a thing Mm -hmm. how does that even make sense if rap is an art form out of the damn sedgwick houses or an art form out of you know holdovers from blues and r&b and if blues and r&b come from gospel and gospel comes from negro spirituals and negro spirituals is born out of enslavement and the transatlantic slave trade how you get from that to um, white to a white rapper, to Eminem, or and, and and not just a white rapper, but white rappers who make a lot more money
3: mm-hmm. yes.
1: than the black artists and the progenitors and who are singing songs about and for their culture.
3: Mm-hmm. You Eventually know, it translates so... into money, but also like this. I hate the term, but I don't. In my mind, I don't have another term for it. But this street cred that white people get, like this, this oh. cultural, the cultural capital, like that white people get from. Being a part of, like, it, being a part of our c- culture in that way, right? Like, this street yeah. kid cred that that in turn turns into capital. But like, why do you want to be? Why do you want to be spectators? Why do you? Yeah. Why? Why, but I guess it goes and I'm answering yeah. my question. I guess it goes back to the death yep. and the lynching of black folks. They've always been yeah, there that's it. You
1: go. the that's newspaper it. ads that
3: that's you it. mentioned, Rachel. That's
1: it. The newspaper ads. That's it. Saying here, come watch this person be killed. Yeah. You can't that's separate it. that from the Jack Harlows who don't know who Brandy is.
2: Yeah. Chow.
3: Chow. And we're supposed to give you you awards because you decided to create a record with Brandy. Who was who with or without you is Brandy. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Did Brandy actually make a record with this
3: person? They performed together. I don't know if there was a oh. whole record, but they absolutely performed together.
1: That's a with different conversation. That's a different yeah. conversation. I'm going to derail this. Yes. That's going be a different conversation. Yes. But <laughs> but I do want to yeah. ask you, though, Kate, how do you as an artist, how do you navigate a landscape like that, a musical industry like that? How do you navigate making music, making art, being dedicated to your artistry and steeped in your theory and music theory, and, you know, which is also has some racist um origins. Yeah. But how do you be so steeped in the work that you do as an artist, as a composer, as a singer, a songwriter, and navigate this industry without it interrupting your ability to
3: keep creative? I don't. Create anything for white people and I know like oh we you know f- buy us for everybody no it's by me for by people and so I don't yeah. necessarily create anything with uh white folks in mind right like oh I want white folks to re- this is mainstream this is gonna hit the mainstream right like I don't have I don't have that thought process of like I want to create this for anybody other than black people Um, And I think that that is a luxury for me within this industry that I haven't reached that place where I have to think about my mainstream appeal or what is mainstream appeal, right? Like really what that means is like how white people, (laughs) how white people perceive you. Um, And I haven't reached that place in my career where I have to think about that. And I don't really ever want to have to reach Mm. that place Um, to think about Mm. how white people receive my music. And white people listen to Boomscat, right? Like, they're white people that show up for shows and are, like, compelled by it and love it and all of those things. And thank you. Great. Glad that the music resonates with you. But I did not create this for you. Um, yeah. And I'm just able and grateful that I get to say that. And I don't know if that's, like, gonna hurt me down the line, but it just, you know, it, I'm gonna be okay. Like, it, it'll yeah. be okay. I never want my desire To be, my desire to be on a new, you know, an Apple billboard to overshadow my creative practice—that means that I create specifically for Black people. That is what's most important to me, and that I know that that is a luxury. I know that that is a gift. The same luxury of being able to speak um, African American Vernacular English properly and (laughs) (laughs) well—like those are all luxuries (laughs) that I had.
1: And I love how you talked about that as luxuries. And I know we're running out of time. So I do want to ask you, what are some of your, what are some Negro spirituals or even not even just a Negro spiritual, but maybe just songs that you remember that have been informed by Negro Mm -hmm. spirituals that you remember hearing as a child or just hearing in your life. And it really not just spoke to you, but just made you feel a type of way, even if you weren't able to describe it. What are some of those, Early songs and that you can think of.
2: Um
3: like you were t- talking about young know, Jenny, my mother also was mom that was married to Jesus for a long, long time. When she got saved in nineteen ninety-six, um, <laughs> my mother and Christ that lady was like and she likes to tell she loved to tell the story. She loved to tell the story about how she was celibate for like fifteen years, um, after my dad passed, and she got married and she it was her and Jesus for a really, really long time. And so um I was always surrounded by gospel music. Like Helen Baylor. I know people make it's a joke now on like TikTok and Instagram, but when my head hit the wall, that was my mother had that that on repeat, the cassette tape, right? Yeah. On repeat. Um, and I wonder what my mother was going through <laughs> at that yeah. time. Like I that is the first thing I'm asking when I see her again on the other side. Like we talked about going up yonder, and that is the, what were you going through when you were listening to Helen Baylor every day? That I mean, I was talking about addiction and selling her body. Like what? What? What were you going through at that time, Ma? Because I I know it wasn't that,
1: but just right. Where was it? Well, for those who, of us who don't have TikTok like myself, what is the lyrics <laughs> to that song? <laughs>
3: I mm-hmm. had a pretty grandmother. Like she just had the Hella Bela testimony. That was one of them. Um Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. That that album that that album was a really big part. And anything by Richard Smallwood, um, I I grew up in the contemporary gospel era. So Richard Smallwood, Marette Brown Clark, Vision, um, Kirk Carr. All of those vocalists and I was in, uh, on the praise worship team. So I really grew up with that contemporary gospel music sound that was so heavily informed by the Negro spirituals and then like James Cleveland, right? Like the, the mass choir, Mm -hmm. um, phenomenon and. I wasn't old Baptist. My mother wasn't old Baptist. She got saved later. So it was really the contemporary music. But I love the Clark sisters too. Um, so for a long time, I didn't know that there was no bomb in Gilead, that there was a bomb in Gilead. But <laughs> there was a bomb in
2: Gilead. There was a bomb in Gilead. There is a bomb in Gilead. There is a bomb in Gilead. So I love like the Clark sisters. <laughs> Um, yeah. but the
3: contemporary gospel has always. Well, that's been... a spiritual,
1: as we know. Gilead is a spiritual of some sort. I don't, I don't know if it's from way back then, but it's from way back.
3: Yeah, like like those songs have. I'm a worshiper, like so. I still to this day, I'm like, if you sit me in a praise and worship session and they start singing certain things, I am going to be flat out in the floor, like yeah, like, face down. <laughs> um and i will worship anywhere
1: yeah and what's important to note is that even those people those singers that they're singing and they're putting instrumentation to it and they recording it in the studio but they getting that from the shouting and the worshiping and in the old time like they might these people that they got it from might not be popular because again like we said just the innumerable amount of ancestors unknown who actually yeah. was coming up these words and these sounds. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're
0: coming through them. Like that intrinsic language that you were talking about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That water memory. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yep. Mm -hmm. And like we get to pull on those people. And I used to think that I had to be pure before I stood up in front of Praise and worship. I, I went. I did go to the paradox one Saturday night and had to sing praise and worship on Sunday. And I smelled like cigarettes and and trees and <laughs> patrol. And I was like, Oh my God! I don't know what I'm gonna do. I gotta sing praise and worship. I gotta lead praise and worship. Meanwhile, these niggas out here just do anything and wow, hey, selling records. Wow, man. Um, all I wanted to do was twerk on some and, and, and I'm feeling all, you know, and I'm feeling guilty and, and as if I can't take communion and I can't do all of the things and these people are just living their worst lives. Right. And another indoctrination of like, you can do whatever you want to do in the dark. Um, yep. as long as you get up here and on Sunday and, and, and tell other people what and they that's can and cannot, that's cannot that's do. That's okay. yep another conversation what, i mean ebony was just
0: telling me about something about dr martin luther king who was also a preacher who was getting down in the, in the dark he was doing <laughs> he was doing his thing look i'm
1: not gonna talk bad about dr king,
0: about the <laughs> king. what what are some, what would you say are some modern day negro spirituals oh some modern
3: day negro spirituals they may not exist and they might not be gospel <laughs> <laughs> yeah um let me, black joy experience hot cheeto is in rock mm-hmm. creek definitely it's a little call and response to that next time I feel like next time by Boomscat is a is a modern day negro spiritual it's a manifestation tool um yes. <sighs> some modern day negro spirituals that are not gospel and that are not by problematic people um uh, <laughs> <laughs> good luck <laughs> uh, la,
2: la, 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 la.
3: Um cuff it. <laughs> cuff it. <laughs> might just be a negro spiritual. <laughs> it's a it's a modern day Negro spiritual the way folks
2: I would say all of Lemonade is a Negro spiritual. All oh, of no. Beyonce's in the Negro spiritual business. All right. I don't know. I don't think I don't. Know.
1: Uh-oh. I'm in the Beehive, Eric. I was a
2: Beehive member. I
1: Podcast getting shut down.
2: Wow!
3: Wow! Please don't let, please don't let the the beehive come out. Jamila Woods, I think, does a f- a few things. I think the whole crew out of Chicago, like Chance, Saba, um, yeah. they're creating some really beautiful uh, moments of like black spirituality that we get to, yes. to experience. Um,
1: I would yeah. say Georgia and. Makes a lot of Negro spirituals,
2: um, for sure. Roses is one
3: of my favorite, still.
2: Yep. Roses, a picture. Yeah.
3: Yep.
2: Definitely. Yep.
1: Yep. That's everybody' homework. Y'all come out. I want y'all to sit around and marinate on the conversation, but also marinate on what are some modern day Negro spirituals? Yes. And I don't know what the criteria is for Negro spiritual. You definitely gotta be Negro. Okay? Yeah. I have, I'm sure I hate that. you definitely have to be Negro. You know, because Halsey and all this and that. Making no. Negro, I do I want to hear that. Yet. You need
3: to be phenotypic Negro shit. <laughs> Man, are y'all having that conversation this Black History Month? Because
0: somebody needs we, you to know what? To you know what? I think that's going to be our episode that we talk about. I think that phenotype is the episode Ebony and I sit here and have a conversation about because
3: it is it's a lot. We'll see. It's a lot. We'll My see. Gosh. I mean, and it could be a really quick conversation like just throw up a punit square because y'all have just lost all access to like to your to, to your biology homework and and I don't understand why people don't remember you know the difference between phenotype and genotype
1: this hallelujah by and by
2: you
1: know i'm just i'm to fly away so i don't
2: know <laughs> i'll I fly point. away Yeah, i mean we
1: can really get to it but patience we be sitting here talking all night and day yeah i want you to tell the people what you got coming up where they can find you how they can support you plug it
3: all right. Well, uh, I you can find me on Instagram at patients dot sings. Uh, I do sound healing work. Um, you can get your individual uh, sound healing sessions. But I also do something called the Wind Down with Patient Sings, uh, where you can get some nighttime healing in. Um, I do that series uh, once a quarter at this point. Um, but if anybody would like to find out more. Um, or have some more sessions, uh, that would be great. But Patience.Sings on Instagram, um, sings underscore on Twitter. I won't be talking about shit, but I'm a good time. And, uh, yeah, reach out to me, DM me. I also own a building in Silver Spring. You can find me on Peer Space there if you want to rent it out. It is black, um, owned through, uh, uh, the blood, sweat and tears of a black woman, my mama she left me her legacy and so i'm just trying to keep that alive and wow. yeah i own a building in silver spring so if you want to rent that out hit me up too it's called mojuba which means gratitude to the ancestors so yeah Amazing.
1: Mojuba. we'll have all of that you can get in touch with patience support patience's work Open y'all coin purses for pay for this education but we'll also have links to her sound healing work mojuba and how you could just be hip and get down with all things patience sings um, patience, thank you so so much. We we'll have you. all of that in the link to the description of the podcast. Yes, thank you so so much. This is our niece. If y'all don't know that, we yes. love her dearly. Um, love I'm just marinating on everything. I'm downloading everything. I'm picking up everything.
3: Yes, and the singing. Thank you for blessing us with that. You know, I'll sing to y'all whatever, however. You know, I gotta I gotta figure out the lullaby for maybe. Yeah, you might be singing
0: at the baby shower, but
2: I'll
3: talk to you about yeah, that whole time. We'll talk about all of the time. the podcasts. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's always such a pleasure. Of time. course. Y'all are you love love you. Love. Really good. I you. Y'all are... Go support. Go support patients. Go if support you want to hear patients sing,
1: you got um, Spotify and all the rest of that shit going. Yep. iTunes, Run up the Sets, everything. They're all over
2: wait in the while wa- I do oh, got gonna trouble the water oh tell my mama I'm coming to God's gonna trouble the water I know no They I, I, I Know I've been changed Oh, oh I, I I Know I've been changed The I'm